You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Our show is all about uh, the world of apps, whether it's your smartphone, TV, your car. Apps are kind of controlling everything now, so uh, we'll be chatting all about that uh, in our program, in our programs, uh, and also the world of mobile technology as well. We've got an interesting program. We uh, will be talking about Etsy and Shopify. I know a lot of people are selling stuff online, and it's kind of a challenge sometimes. The side hustle is not real easy to do. No, no. So there are tools and sites out there that try to make it easier, but we're going to talk about some of the more popular tools and websites, Etsy and Shopify, and some of the pros and cons. Yes. Because they do make it easier, but... At what cost? At what cost? Uh, we'll also be chatting with the fe- uh, our friends over at MasterCard about uh, small business and technology and what to look out for when it comes to cybersecurity. You know, I I know so many small businesses, they're always concerned about the payments and the security around that. I I would say I would be even just as worried or more worried about getting hacked on my social media accounts for my business. Especially if that's where your business lives. Yes. Well, and even if it doesn't, so many businesses, they use that as a tool for marketing and advertising. And so if you lose access to your account or it gets hacked, that is extremely damaging. So we'll give you some uh, tips on that. And we're going to talk with the folks at Nextdoor, the Nextdoor app, uh, which is kind of cool. And if you've used it, John. Yes. They've got a, a really cool tool for Halloween candy. For parents out there with their kids, uh, you can use the app to see which uh, houses are Halloween friendly and even... Which ones are uh, looking out for uh, allergies as well with allergy-free candies, you know? No nuts, no chocolate. No fun, I guess, for some, <laughs> <laughs> for some folks. But, uh, you, know, you know, certainly uh, important uh, for those kids that do have uh, allergies. Let's get to some of the tech news, John. And this just keeps going and going, this story around the RiveCan app. Uh, you know, it's uh, been revealed that it costs $54 million for that. Great app. not popular but you can see why they did it right yeah yeah we've talked about this extensively but um as sort of the post-mortem on this app's uh creation and the costs that it involved we're starting to see some interesting uh information apparently last week there was a breakdown of all the costs that apparently some drunk people put together (laughs) they included one point almost two million dollars assigned to a contractor that didn't even work on the app that's right like how okay you're you're giving a breakdown and this is really controversial right because everyone's like losing their minds that it costs 54 million dollars yeah so you've put together as the government a breakdown of where all the money went and this company didn't work on nor did they receive any money related to the arrive can app yeah one almost 1.2 million dollars a company called ThinkOn, and so the government's come back and said uh, oh, that was human error. They We put down the wrong name. It, like, come on. Like, for God's sake, check check your work. Yeah. Like, especially when especially when you're trying to justify where that $54 million went that everyone's like losing their minds over. Yeah. And then, John, it just, it keeps going. You know, then, you know, Ernst & Young is on there. They're a consulting firm. Uh, it says they received $120,000. Ernst & Young right away said, no, they didn't. <laughs> They've walked that back since. And then there's another company, MapleSoft. Uh, they said, the government said they were paid $626,000. And the CEO said, they haven't worked on the RiveCan app at all. 
and they've confirmed this is a mistake. Again, the government put down the wrong name. So MapleSoft, I guess, obviously, as you can imagine, there's probably a few MapleSofts <laughs> out there. So they put the wrong one down. Microsoft? Check your work. Like you're under the microscope. Come clean, be transparent and check your work. I, I don't know. It, it just boggles the mind. And I, John, is not the last time we're going to be talking about this. Sadly, no. Okay, other uh, app news, uh, John. Uh, the CRTC is warning Canadians of increasing text message scams. And this is a problem. Like, how many text message scams do you get a day? Uh, not as much as I used to. I get at least one or two. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably I'm a, on <laughs> an accurate number. Yeah, I guess I'm like a prime target. Well, the the thing that you need to know is any message that has a link to it in it. So it's like, oh, your your banking information has been compromised. Click here to sign in. Well, that's a big red flag right there. Yeah. Because quite often it won't be a link that's obvious. It'll be like, it's not like CIBC.ca or .com. It'll be some obfuscated URL yeah. that you can't tell what it is until you click that link. Just clicking that link could be the opening the door to who knows what on your computer, your mobile phone, gives them access to look at your browser history, potentially access to your computer. Um, just don't click any of those links, especially if it's from that. All the banks always say, we would never do that. Yes. Right? They will never never send you something you can click on in a text message. Because they know that's how scams work. Yeah. Same with Amazon and eBay. Yeah. Never, and especially don't enter in your username and password. We're going to have to take a break. We've got a full show for you today. When we come back, we're going to tell you about Etsy and Shopify and the pros and cons of using those tools for selling stuff online. Back after this. Etsy, Shopify. These are uh, big platforms that people use to sell stuff online. And they're compelling because they make it easier for you to create an e-commerce website. Etsy is a very popular one, John. Not only does it give you the tools to actually create your own online store, but it's, it's like a community as well. Kind of like a, almost like an Amazon marketplace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the place that comes up when you Google anything that's handmade or custom made or crafted, those types of things. Um, and it's a good place to find a lot of similar things that you know, maybe you don't quite like that one thing that you found, but there's probably somebody else selling something similar or their own take on it. So it's pretty easy to find uh, stuff to buy, gift ideas, all kinds of stuff like that. A lot of crafty stuff there. A lot of crafty stuff because it's really meant for the sort of the small home uh, business type person or the, the maker or the crafter uh, that doesn't want to worry about all of the other businessy stuff and they just want to focus on making stuff. Yes. So that, that is a, that's a big reason for people, right? Because they want to make their stuff. They want to sell it. They don't have to worry about all the techie stuff. Yeah. Dealing with payment options, dealing with ship. Well, they have to deal with shipping to a degree, but, um, but also just being found because that's the biggest problem with a lot of these people. It's like, yeah, you can have a really cool product or thing that you made, but how are any, how's anybody going to find it? Right. Unless you've got really, really good search engine optimization, SEO, as we call it. Uh, and you have, you know, maybe a huge social media presence. Yeah. So just looking at the stats on Etsy, for example, uh, back in 2020, I haven't got the latest, latest, but they had over 81 million active buyers yeah. through Etsy. So that's compelling. Yeah. But it's also challenging though, too, John, as you know, you can't just set up a, a store in the middle of a field. Yeah. 
out in the middle of nowhere and hope people will get there. Yeah. People have to find it. Yeah. So what are some of the things that people should be aware of? It's, it's the fees. Yeah. I mean, this always <laughs> kills the dream, if you will, Yeah. because they pay it. You, you basically pay a monthly fee to, to, to have a store. Uh, or or uh, a shop as they call it, and you have the ability then to upload your products, put prices on it, choose where you're going to ship to, those kinds of things. But you're you're paying quite a lot of different things. And I've heard from a lot of people in the community that I'm a part of that makes stuff. And as you know, I make a lot of stuff with Cricut and my laser cutter, my 3D printers, all this kind of stuff. There's transaction fees. There's like monthly fees. There's advertising and promotional L- fees. listing fees. Listing fees, right? Like the transaction fee is like, I think as high as six and a half percent. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the big thing for me, if I was to put something on Etsy is the challenging part is how much is that product going to be after all the fees are factored in, let alone your wholesale cost to make that thing. Right. So let's just say you're making a widget and then you're going to sell it for $10. Well, if you've got a bunch of fees, you've got, you know, the, 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 the raw cost of the material that of whatever you're making your time to actually make it. Um, and a lot of things on Etsy are also um, custom. So you can actually say, I, I like to have Mike Agarbo's name on my coffee mug and you can get someone to do that for you. And that is an additional administrative thing that you have to do as, as the, as the shopkeep, as you want, if you want to call it that. Um, so you have to, manage expectations with your customers. You actually have to then go and make the product for you even been paid and then ship it to them. And if there's any problem or you type, type Trans, yeah. So transaction fee, there's a payment transaction fee. Yeah. There's the delivery fee. Yeah. Well then there's the returns. What if it's not right? What if I spelled Mike wrong? You know, those yeah. kinds of things. Like that's a lot of overhead even though you don't actually have a store like a physical. So store. I'm, I'm just wondering like, cause I looked at, this with my wife because she was making some homemade beauty products. And once I started adding it all up, because, you know, we were going to sell them for like 10 to 15 bucks yeah. a pop. Once I started adding up all the transaction fees, it was not so compelling. No, no, no. no th- this is what like, I, I just, it was unprofitable. Yeah. Like you have to sort of do the math and have it all figured out so that you can actually do this repeatedly. Right. Because that's the thing is if you get, found if people find something that you want you have to keep doing it right and that's something that a lot of people can struggle with they get overwhelmed with orders they can't keep up they can't they can't make it worth their while to do because they're just overwhelmed that's a good problem to have i guess in one hand because you can always hire more people but then your profits go down yeah um and if also what are you going to offer you're going to have all the stock on hand in case someone wants to buy it, or you're going to do it just in time as someone orders it, which could take time and de- delay that customer getting that product Yeah, because you have to go to the store, buy the raw materials, whatever it is, make the thing and then ship it as opposed to just taking it off of a shelf in your garage. So what price point do you think you'd have to be at? And like, what kind of profit margin would you have? like? Cause we were looking at selling these things for 10 to 15 bucks, like a jar. Yeah. And you know, we're basically doubling what our, you know, anticipated cost was. But yeah. once I put in the transaction fees and everything through Etsy, yeah. it got insane. Yeah. Well, and that's what a lot of people find is they, they spent all this time and effort setting up these stores and I'm not just picking on Etsy either. There's yeah. other places you can do this like Shopify and, and a few other different places like that. But the, the, the reality is, is you really need to figure out what the magic number is for it to be worth your time. 
Yeah. Especially if it's a physical item that you're shipping, right? I've seen a lot of successful people talk about the fact that they don't have physical items, they do digital items. So if you're a designer, for example, you can sell your designs for people to then put on a mug or a t-shirt or whatever it is, but you're not doing that fulfillment. You're actually just creating the design and you're putting it up on uh, the internet. People can download it. Etsy and other services like that have the ability to securely protect your design so that only the person that bought it can have access to it just which is you know a compelling option if you're a designer yeah but you don't even have to be would you recommend people starting off with like if they're just trying to get into e-commerce starting off with like an etsy or a shopify yeah i think a lot of people probably graduate from that if it's something that they want to get into you know seriously as a full-time business i'm sure there's plenty of people that are doing really well on etsy because they've figured out the pricing model. And that's the key thing before you even spend any money on this stuff, figuring out how much it's going to actually cost you. And sometimes it's hard to do until you've actually gone through the process. Yeah. Right. So a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll, they'll figure it all out on paper. They won't have anything set up and then they'll just sort of test it with their friends. So then there's Shopify. Yeah. They don't have like a kind of a marketplace so much as Etsy does. No, I think the the secret sauce with, with Etsy is the fact that it's got really good optimization. So people, if you're looking for some random Star Wars thing, yeah. you're probably going to find it on Etsy, even if you just do a Google search yeah. for that. Because uh, they've just, they're really strong in that space and they're really strong in promoting those uh, people that are on their platform. But like we said, there's a cost associated with that. I've heard some stories where after you get to a certain uh size or volume of sales, they actually start auto charging you for promotion because you're bubbling up in sort of the rankings on Etsy. So they're actually going to promote you more, but you have to pay for that promotion. <laughs> and I don't think you can opt out of some of that stuff either. So looking at Shopify, you know, their credit card rates, which is, you know, again, this is appealing because, you know, they look after all that. Yeah. Security. Uh, it's all really important. You can't just do this by yourself. Yeah. And I'm looking at some of the U.S. pricing here, but um, it's 2.9%, which is not bad. Yeah. Um, but also 30 cents U.S. per item online. Yeah. Or per uh, transaction. Um, but also, you have to have a monthly plan with them. Yes. So, like, the basic plan starts at about 29 U.S. If you want to go up to the next one, it's like eighty dollars. Then the, the advanced one is like three hundred a month. So yeah. you're going to be doing some volume there, obviously. Yeah, and you'd want more advanced reporting and, and multiple people being able to multiple staff being able to use it as well. So, so one of the options that I was looking at to use is um, basically not using one of these platforms and doing my own website that has e-commerce in. It. And a lot of sites now, when you go to create a website, uh, there's you know WordPress, there's Squarespace, there's a bunch of places that make it really easy for you to set up your own sort of shop or even just on Instagram, for example, you can actually just be a seller on Instagram and your Instagram uh, profile is your shop. Yeah. But you have to still have to click through to buy something. Exactly. Right? So there's a couple different ways you can do that with um, different uh, services that allow you to do that. And one of the systems that I used that I thought was really cool is, you know, created by the guy that created Twitter, Jack Dorsey. Square. Square, yeah. yeah. So you can actually, they, they have these little terminals you can buy for fairly low cost. They used to have the little swipers that you would plug into your phone when it actually had a headphone jack. They actually have the ability to create an online inventory. So you can actually do transactions just on your phone. That's pretty good. Yeah. And you're just paying the transaction fee for the credit card. But if you want to take that online store that's on your phone, like for you as the seller, 
you can actually pay and have it turned into a website. Got it. That you can embed into, you know, a custom domain. So like Mike's custom t-shirts or whatever it is. And it's all there. So that might be a different option as well. I mean, there's so much more to talk about this. Uh, and we, we will in future shows go through a little more in detail, like how these specific sites work, because I know more and more people are interested in, in doing this. We're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. We're going to talk small business now and technology, especially when it comes to payments. Uh, I know a lot of uh, my my friends have uh, small businesses going. And uh, sometimes some of the pain points, uh, John, would be like the overall payment aspect. Like how do they get the money? That's always the problem. Yeah. <laughs> they can make the stuff or they have the service, but getting the uh, the money uh, sometimes is an issue. Well, hopefully we can solve that. We've got a great guest on the line. His name is Nishant Rain. He is the Director of Product Management uh, for Small Business over at MasterCard in Canada. Thanks for joining us, Nishant. No, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So, uh, yeah, like when I talk to a lot of my, uh, my friends who are running their small businesses, uh, they do have some challenges with the whole payment side. What are you folks doing uh, in, in that regard to, to make it easy for folks to, to actually get credit cards and, and uh, debit card payments? Yeah, and maybe I'll take a step back um, and talk about digital enablement as a whole, because I think that is a big strategic pillar. And uh, unfortunately, COVID-19 force a lot of small businesses to go offline to online, set up all these digital storefronts, tell a brand narrative story um, in a world where it was a very face-to-face and we've had to have almost like a hybrid environment. Um, so at MasterCard, and maybe this is more of the narrative itself, digital is the path forward for business all sizes. Um, and to be digitally ready, I think you talked about one specific pillar, which is accepting payments or making payments. It's just having the right tools, resources, and expertise with everything that's been going around. Um, one key trend that we've really seen is the growth in e-commerce um, that has really risen through social media, online platforms. And like I mentioned, the pandemic forced a lot of small business to set up on all these online stores that they just did not have prior to the pandemic. Um, and to keep up with all of these changes, I think a lot of the small businesses are moving towards digitally enabled payments. And some of the um, stats, and we did some great research for context, 75% um, of Canadians actually have used one of emerging payments over the last year and a half, two years. So stuff like cryptocurrency, for example, digital cars, buy now, pay later. So we're, we're working with our financial ecosystem partners, the banks, for instance, are acquiring partners to enable and help small businesses accept payments, uh, make payments through our traditional products like the credit, debit, prepaid. Uh, but we have great digital products like Click to Pay, MasterCard Send, where we have these digital tools to enable commerce. Um, customer experience is the other one that I want to talk about in this whole realm of digital enablement. Ex accepting payments, making payments is a great way, but to really set up an online brand and story, we, we help small businesses make that checkout experience as simple as possible and more convenient for consumers like me and you. Yeah, and we've talked with you folks in the past, and uh, I do like uh, you know some of the technologies that you are using to make things easier, like the click-to-pay. Maybe just explain to uh, our listeners what that's all about uh, again. I really love where you're going with that. No, for sure. Um, so uh, I, I think 
I living in a world, I think we'll, we'll come to um, a time and place in the next couple of years where even physically entering in your credit card details on a checkout page to buy a product or buy a service will probably go away. It is cyber attacks and cybersecurity. Um, I hope we get a chance to talk a little bit more about that as well has really risen over the last two and a half years. And this whole idea of click to pay is to digitize that entire process. So you save your credential in a tokenized format and a small business owner can actually enable this technology within their checkout experience. So you've probably seen other wallets like Apple Pay and everything. It's almost like a click to experience. Um, and, and a lot of these technologies are coming to life. And so just one of those things that we can enable small businesses to include in their checkout experiences. So consumers like me and you feel safe and, and, and the rest of the population, even within the community feels a lot more secure when they're interacting with that small business. Well, you touched on cybersecurity and, and privacy, uh, and I know that's obviously on the top of minds for just regular consumers, but what about small businesses as well? How can they protect uh, themselves? Yeah, um, I think awareness is number one. Really understanding and um, uh, and maybe I'll throw out some stats and I'll paint it. A, I hope it's not a grim picture, but it is quite a bit of a hot topic right now in the community. Um, we did some great research over the last year and we found out that seven in 10 small business owners have are more concerned about cyber attacks. And what COVID did was sort of blur the lines between a personal profile and a business profile and over a quarter of the small businesses actually reported having an increase in cyber attack activity um, in their business. So what MasterCard has done is essentially we, we launched a great initiative and a platform called MasterCard Trust Center. And the whole idea here is we believe in education and awareness of the actual cybersecurity realm. So we provide free resources and we've partnered with great organizations like Digital Main Street and CFIB Canada, where we deliver these digital and cybersecurity uh, seminars and webinars and resources to small business owners to help, first of all, assess where they are in this whole journey of cybersecurity um, and and for and learn about how they can safeguard their assets. Um, and I'll give an example of us actually um, at a, a, a webinar we hosted with some of our acquiring partners and I was interacting with a small business owner. When we think about cybersecurity, it's just not just your online presence. It's not just you having a store online. Think about your social media accounts, your Instagram, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, um, and just having your entire online world um, exposed, for lack of a better word, to all these cyber criminals over the last two and a half years. Um, and unfortunately, the small business owners' social media profiles were compromised and they were held hostage for the last three months. And they saw a rapid decrease in their sales for their in-store and online store traffic. Um, of, there were certain steps that the individual took to recover all those accounts, but this is just some of the examples that we're seeing that which we didn't even hear about five or six years ago. Um, it's, it's a big issue and we have a lot of great tools and resources from the Trust Center, our partnerships with the Digital Main Street and the seminars and the training and modules that we're providing with CFIB as well. You brought up a really important point uh, there, you know, with the, the social uh, channels. Uh, I know a lot of businesses, that's how they do their advertising and marketing, you know, through Facebook and through Instagram. And I've known a few of them that have got their accounts hacked and, and basically lost those accounts because you can't just phone Instagram 
when things <laughs> when things go wrong, right? There's no phone number. You got to no, go through exactly. this whole <laughs> stupid process. And you know, I got to be honest. Nine times out of ten, it's it takes weeks, and a lot of times you can't even get that account back because you're not dealing with humans in a in, in a timely fashion. So the awareness, I think, like you were saying, Nishant, is so important. Like it's not just uh, you know these these criminals trying to uh, to hack uh, you know your database or your your payment technology. It's just even like the social accounts, which is probably you know in in many cases the easiest thing to get into. No, agreed. And uh, we're seeing this happen across all different channels as well. I think social is easiest and. Um, unfortunately, it's increasing with the shift that we're seeing from offline to online. Um, and one of the things that, um, uh, and I definitely encourage this as a due diligence, not just for the consumers, even for the small business owners out there in Canada, do your due diligence. Something seems too good to be true. It is. Um, yeah. And please review your credentials, um, safe, safeguard your assets, your password protection, use a password manager. Uh, and. Um, uh, notify the authorities. I think the more awareness that we have in the community that these attacks are happening, the better data that our our law enforcement can go off of and 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 speak to speak to advisors, speak to the financial ecosystem. There there's there are people out there who are who are there to help you. And uh, please reach out. Uh, before we go, uh, Nishan, I want to just uh, give a shout out to a, a cool little um, program or campaign you have going on. It's uh, for Small Business Month in, here in October, so uh, just a little bit of time left. It's called uh, your your Secret Sauce campaign and, and aimed at uh, women entrepreneurs. No, thank you. So we launched our new Secret Sauce campaign to elevate the visibility of women small business owners, specifically in the culinary space, uh, to help them provide support, funding, and all the resources that they need to grow their businesses. Uh, and some of the commercials you may actually have seen on TV, uh, we've uh, highlighted three specific women, Dacian Reed, uh, Krista Bruno Gunter, and Ariane Foucher. And they've come overcome very unique challenges to maintain and grow their businesses. And they tell their story through the ingredients and their secret sauce. Uh, we hope to essentially inspire the next generation of small business owners. And uh, there are a couple of things, uh, more details around the campaign, like we've partnered with a platform called Peer5 to help women small business owners further grow their businesses. And uh, and um, quick, quick shout out as well, we're helping uh, communities shop and support local by encouraging women-owned small businesses to actually go on Google Maps. And there's actually a tag, you can tag yourself as women-led. Uh, and this tag enables consumers like me and you to easily research and find out who the small business owner is within the community, which is women owned. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think it's just an opportunity for this campaign that provides to connect and learn from others in the space and any tools, resources and capital and, um, and just grow their business. I, I think everyone knows the pandemic has really scarred the small business community in Canada and any resources, tools that we can provide will go a long way. What's the web address? Uh, so this is mastercard.ca slash support small business. We've been talking uh, with our uh, good friend, Nishant Reina. He's the director of product management for small business over at Mastercard in Canada. Thanks for uh, coming on the program. No, thank you for having us. And uh, do want to give a shout out to all the small business owners in Canada. Um, they're a vital part of our Canadian tradition, Canadian culture, and a Canadian economy. Um, and their success is our success. Thank you, guys. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned.
You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio with John Beeler. We're going to talk about trick-or-treating now. And uh, there is an app to make it uh, a little bit easier for the uh, the little ones out there and for yourself uh, as well. We've got the folks from Nextdoor Canada on the line. Christopher Doyle is joining us. Thanks uh, for coming on the show, Christopher. Yeah, great to chat. So, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've been using your, your app. It's a great uh, community app that uh, gets you in touch basically with your next door neighbors, not just your next door neighbors, but kind of your neighborhood. And there's all sorts of great things you can do in there. Everything from uh, selling stuff to announcements to, uh, you know, safety and, and security things uh, as well. And, and Christopher, you guys are kind of uh, gearing up for Halloween as well to make it uh, a little bit easier for everyone. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, we know that Halloween is a great time for uh, kids and their parents to get out and meet their neighbors and tour through the neighborhood. So we're really helping neighbors come together this Halloween through something that we've launched called the Treat App. So this is really your ultimate guide to the neighborhood, planning your neighborhood route for trick-or-treating. And, you know, I think there's um, been, obviously, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, not as many kids as we would have liked have gone out to trick-or-treating, but with the pandemic and everything. So we really feel like this year, it's going to be back in full force. And full force. So we've launched this treat map, really. Um, and inside the Nextdoor app, you can actually go and see neighbors can post um, on there if they're going to be having some special decorations. Uh, you know, if some people like to set up haunted houses and all kinds of activations for the kids. And then um, you can go and, and plan out your route. And then the really exciting thing for us this year is that we've partnered with Food Allergy Canada. And actually there's about half a million kids in Canada that have a food allergy of some sort. And so on the map, you can also post, um, you can uh, shine a teal light uh, on the map. And that's the universal symbol for the fact that you're gonna be giving out allergy-free treats. So we're really excited about that aspect of it this year. To help and, and just keep it safe and inclusive for every for, for every kid in Canada, basically. No, I love that. I, I know a lot of uh, parents that do struggle with that with their children. They they do have the food allergies. Uh, some are very serious. Mm-hmm. So uh, having a tool mm-hmm. like this that kind of you know can identify uh, the homes that uh, you know will apparently have some of these allergy free uh, treats, I think would just make uh, life uh, a lot easier and and better for the kids as well, right? You know. They're getting all these candies in and they can't eat <laughs> a lot of them. So uh, yeah. it's, it's nice to know which houses have exactly those right. treats. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we're going to do as much as we can to raise awareness for this, to, to just make sure that just as you say, like that kids and their parents can know that, you know, there are people in my neighborhood that are giving these allergy free treats just to give them a bit of peace of mind and also to make it fun for the kids. Right. So they can, they can kind of start to map out their route and see like, okay, to get to this house, to get the, the allergy-free treats that we want. We're going to have to go buy a couple haunted houses or we're going to have to go buy this route. And so we think it can add an element of fun, but then also just really kind of like raise awareness around um, the fact like how important it is to have these allergy-free treats for kids out there, just given like the danger that it is for so many kids. And there's like a variety of foods too that um, kids can be allergic to now. So it's just also raising awareness to all these different all these different uh, facets of it. And and then also just letting people know that if they are going to be giving out allergy-free treats that, you know, to use this teal uh, pin that we have on the map to, to indicate that, just to let everyone know that, um, you know, they're, that, that they're a safe place uh, for all the trick-or-treaters this year. 
Talking with Christopher Doyle, uh, the man from next door, a fantastic app to really connect you with uh, not only your neighbors, but your neighborhood as well. And just a, a great feature here for Halloween, uh, a treat map that will uh, basically outline what's happening in your neighborhood with the different uh, homes. And, uh, you know, if you've got a, a child with allergies, uh, uh, a great tool to show which homes are offering those allergy free treats. Can I designate my home as like, a, uh, you know, if you've got too much candy, you can just kind of drop it off at my house. <laughs> yes, we should add that new element to the map. Yeah, you'll take extras. That's right. <laughs> You're welcome, Christopher. That. I'm uh, I'm helping you uh, make a better app. <laughs> yeah. uh, and again, this app is available on iPhone and Android, right? That's exactly right. So you, how you can participate is you can join Nextdoor. You can download the app on the App Store or uh, Google Play, or go to nextdoor.ca as well to actually get to the treat map. You'll find it through the Discover. Uh, tab that happens at the, it's at the bottom toolbar and you just toggle to the treat map and you'll you'll find it all there including the teal the teal light thanks for joining us christopher thanks so much for having me when we come back from the break a little more tech to talk stay tuned you're back with the app show mike and john here don't forget to hit our website getconnectedmedia.com We've got some uh, great videos and reviews up there and uh links to our podcast for not only the app show but our sister program get connected you can hear that every Saturday across the Chorus Radio Network and, of course, on our website as well, getconnectedmedia.com. Quick uh, shout-out to that uh, MasterCard uh, program. Again, they're giving away five small business awards, I think $10,000 cash Canadian in funding, uh, and you're especially aimed at women-owned small business owners. Till the end of the month here, October 31st, you can apply at peer-5.com slash fund. I want to thank uh, John and all the folks that helped put the show together, including Robin. See you again next time.